I recently heard a story about a woman who was hosting a Christmas dinner party. She had invited her friends and her family, her extended family. There were a whole bunch of people who were coming to celebrate. It took her days, really days, to get ready for all these folks to come into her home. On the day of the Christmas party itself, I mean, the whole day was spent cooking, except for those moments when she would send her husband out to the store to get the ingredients that had been forgotten or things that she remembered she would like to have. There was a bit of stress. It was pretty overwhelming. Perhaps some of you know what that is like. A few panicky moments, a few heated words along the way, a tear or two at, at moments. But as these things seemed to do, it all came together. The guests all arrived, and they were all gathered in the home. came time for supper. There was a huge table and multiple card tables, kids' tables. Everybody had sat down in order to have the meal. And the woman turned to her six-year-old daughter, and she said, would you please say the Christmas blessing? Would you say grace over the meal? The little girl, with all eyes looking at her, got really shy. I mean, she was six, and she said, Mama, I, I don't know what to pray. And so the mother just calmed her, reassured her. She said, just say what you've heard Mama saying to God. And the little girl smiled, and she said, okay, Mama. And she threw her hands up, and she went, oh, God, why did I invite all these people into our home? <laughs> Maybe you know what that feels like. I don't know if you've had a similar Christmas season experience. I want to invite you, though, tonight, this afternoon, to hear, especially if you're visiting, especially if, I don't know, maybe you've never been to church before, maybe you haven't been to church in a long time, we are absolutely glad you're here. And we're prepared for you. God has prepared for you. And so, welcome to Holy Cross. We're delighted to share this afternoon with you. I do wonder, though, how many of you can relate to that woman's story. Maybe not the specifics, but, but the energy, the energy of the preparation, all the busyness of the season, the way it seems to go really, really fast. You get to about, I don't know, what is it? Halloween, and you start seeing stuff in the stores, and then you get to Thanksgiving, and you're like, oh, goodness, it's not far away now. And then the pace just seems to really move faster. And, and often, it, it, it threatens to suck the joy of, of it out, doesn't it? All the things you've got to do, all the preparations that need to be made. In my experience, it seems like each year I celebrate Christmas, um, the busyness just gets more. And no matter how hard I try, uh, in the midst of our culture, which is fast and almost manic at this time of the season, even in the church, there's this pull toward hurry and rushing and, and almost a frenzy. I mean, think about it. If you're a student, no matter what age you are, whether in elementary school or, or, school or a graduate student, you've probably had a whole a lot of extra things on your plate in this past season, whether it's assemblies or concerts or papers or final exams, the busyness, the stress, 
you're visiting, of course, you've traveled here, whether by car or by plane, you've probably come across time zones, maybe dealt with some severe weather, especially if you traveled yesterday. As a business person, you know what the end of the year may be feeling like. You're wondering how it'll all turn out. And of course, next year is pressing in quickly already. It's just a few days away. And then the Christmas machine that has been rolling, the presents, the shopping, the stuff. Have you seen how fast the Amazon drivers are driving around these days? My goodness. Have you been to town, uh, to, to the mall? Goodness. I almost got run over the other day. It was probably you, wasn't it? Yeah, I know. Town center is a chaos. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself just going through the motions because you're supposed to or you have to or it's the right thing to do. And the spirit of Ebenezer Scrooge might start to sneak into your heart, a kind of bah humbug, a kind of grinchiness that could even erupt Christmas morning when you yell at the kids because they're not grateful enough for all the stuff that they've unwrapped under the tree. Well, I think that God wants to offer you, me, all of us an an alternative this Christmas. I really do believe that. And it begins with a choice. You've already made the choice at least a little bit. You're here, right? You could be other places. The sun came out. You could be out surfing for goodness sake. But the choice, I think, it's, we'll just call it a small act of defiance to the rush. And maybe a small act of compliance to the invitation God gives us to sharing his presence, to the wonder of Christmas. So if you would just trust me and, and join with me, let's just take a deep breath and let it out. There's probably for some of you a lot of stress in that a lot of intensity, a lot of adrenaline perhaps even today that it took just getting here. Let's do it one more time. Big breath and just let that out. Let me just say a short prayer. This is not the end of the sermon. But following a, a breath, an act of defiance to the rush, let me say this. Lord God, we choose to be present. We choose to be present to our hearts and our minds. We choose to be present to you right now. And we invite you to be present with us too. Amen. Friends, that's actually what God has been doing with his people for a millennia more. For millennia, multiple. He's been coming present to his people. God generously shared his personal presence with Adam and Eve in the garden. When they sinned, when they turned away, when they chose themselves, right, being present to themselves alone, ignoring him, he didn't let that stop him. Oh, yeah, it threw up a wall. Oh, yeah, it threw up a barrier. It caused an infinite number of problems, not just for them, but for everyone who has ever lived. When they chose to be wrapped up in themselves rather than enraptured by God, as we all have done, Well, there was a separation that occurred, but it didn't stop God. Look at the scriptures, and he graciously offers his presence to Abraham, and then Isaac, and Jacob. 
he comes to Moses at the burning bush, and then he calls the children of Israel in Sinai graciously, generously offering himself to them. He graced his people after the construction of the wilderness tabernacle, after Solomon's temple, the history of the people of God, God graciously, graciously offering himself. And of course, the most astounding example of God's relational presence, his offer of himself, is when he came into human history, his humbling himself, his emptying himself, his becoming nothing and taking on our form, becoming a baby of all things, helpless, 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 taking on our flesh. This is the incarnate word. This is the only begotten Son. This is the almighty, sovereign creator, light breaking into our darkness. God, God needed nothing, and he certainly could have spent eternity in perfect contentment without us, without humans, without you, without me. And yet he generously shared his personal presence with those he created to love. Here again those words that the angel said to those shepherds on that just completely ordinary night. They're out there just doing their job on the night shift, watching the flocks on the outskirts of Bethlehem and know-nothing town in the middle of nowhere in a small nation that was totally unimportant at its time. The angel said, Behold, I bring you good news, which is of great joy, great joy. For behold, this day in the city of David, a Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. Remarkable. God generously sharing his personal presence with those that he had created to love. It's, 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 it's mind-blowing. If you'll allow your heart to slow down enough and come present to it, what kind of love is that? It's certainly a love different from ours. Sure, we're pretty good at loving those who we like, who we're related to, maybe. But he loved those who spurned him and rejected him. He loved those who get wrapped up in themselves along the way. It's amazing. Dr. Maxwell Maltz tells a story about a love that's a lot like this. Some years ago, a man was burned in a fire. He was disfigured terribly, especially his face. He was attempting to save his parents, who actually perished in that fire. He was totally wrecked. I mean, you can imagine the grief, the sorrow that was upon him. In fact, he was so destroyed by it, he misinterpreted his pain as an act of an angry God who somehow was out to punish him. And he sequestered himself away over the months. And, and though he, he healed, he was totally disfigured. And he wouldn't let people near him. He just kind of locked himself in his room. He wouldn't even allow his wife to see him most days. Well, that's when she went to Dr. Maltz, who was a plastic surgeon. And she told him about the story and Dr. Maltz said, I can restore his face. 
and then began to give her all the scientific things and his credentials and how he had done such things before, and she was completely unenthused. And she explained to Dr. Maltz that her husband had re- repeatedly refused all help. He just, he just didn't want it. And she knew that he would do it again. So the doctor said to her, well, why are you here? What is it that you want? And she said, I want you to disfigure my face so that he will see how I love him. And the doctor was, he was, he was wrecked and he refused her request. But he was so moved by this kind of love that would suffer alongside of its beloved that he went to the husband. He, he said, please let me go talk to him. And so he did, and he banged on the door of the room. He said, I'm Dr. Maltz. I'm a plastic surgeon. I can do something about your face. I'm here to help you. And, of course, there was no response. He banged on the door again. Would you please come out? No answer. And then still speaking through the door, this is what Dr. Maltz said. He said, your wife wants me to disfigure her face, to make her face like yours, in the hope that you will let her back into your life. That is how much she loves you. There was silence, and then the doorknob started to turn very, very slowly. And out walked the man. Friends, the way that woman loved her husband is the way our God loves us. But but let me say it a little more clearly and specifically than that. The way that that woman loved her husband is the way that our God loves you individually, specifically, uniquely. That's the real God. And he has not stayed aloof. Just as he has throughout history offered his presence in his son, he offers his presence again. But in in such a way that we can know him and know what he's like, that we can personally relate that we can understand him because we understand what people are like. And so he came into the world. He didn't just come to be an example, and he is that, but he came and he died upon a cross for our sins to take down that barrier that, that was erected between God and people. You see, he didn't just talk about love, he demonstrated it all the way to a cross all the way down into death, the very thing we will all one day face. But he didn't stay dead. It's remarkable. Because he is alive, yes, he is in heaven, he still offers his presence. He offers his Holy Spirit. The Scriptures tell us that all who call upon him will be saved. And and the Scriptures tell us that, that when we suffer, he desires to comfort us with the very comfort of the Heavenly Father himself. Friends, this is the presence of God. He is the one we sing about tonight. He is the one that we rejoice in tonight. He is the one that we'll break bread and drink wine and and see in these common elements all that he has done for us. This is the one who loves you and who invites you. Whether you've never known him, whether you've known him a long time, Or maybe whether you've wandered off, he invites you back into his presence. Will you come tonight? It doesn't take a lot of effort. It just takes the intention of the heart and a choice of the will.
to say, oh, Lord, come. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, come. You're here, but come. Would you meet us as we've chosen to slow down tonight? As we've chosen to come present to you, would you come present to us? And Jesus, would you reveal yourself to us for the first time, for the hundredth time, for the thousandth time, would you let us know deeply and truly just how much you love us, that our lives would be fully yours. We pray this with great faith and confidence that you never turn down those who call upon your name. We ask this in Jesus. Amen.